Hi, and welcome to Take Every Thought Captive, our weekly look at the Catholic intellectual tradition and an exploration of the authors, books, and topics that have shaped Catholic thinking for 2,000 years. My name is Jason Gale, and joined this week by Dr. Richard Bruce Kelly, our lecturer in theology for Catholic Studies Academy. And today, uh, with Dr. Bruce Kelly, we're going to discuss uh, Lent and the, the Lenten practices of the, the Catholic faithful, and just kind of our thoughts on uh, uh, what are some maybe some good books, uh, some good practices during Lent, and kind of just the uh, uh, the overall spirit of what the Lenten season is. Um, so Lent is that period of time between Ash Wednesday and Holy Saturday. Um, it ends, it officially ends at the Easter Vigil, uh, at the beginning of that Easter Vigil, and um, is uh, begins, like I said, on Ash Wednesday, which is a day of fasting and abstinence, uh, along with the Fridays during Lent, uh, which is a, uh, a practice in the church. It has changed throughout the history of the church itself. Um, but today, our, uh, today what, what I want to discuss with Dr. Buzakelli and get his thoughts on is just kind of the, the big picture of Lent and kind of what is a way that that Catholics, no matter where they're at, um, how how do we approach this season? How do we go into this season? Try to what's maybe some of the attitudes, the dispositions we're supposed to keep during this uh, during this season? Um, so, Dr. Bruce Kelly, uh, to get us started, maybe you can just kind of uh, uh, give us maybe a little bit of um, what uh, what what it is to enter into Lent. Maybe beginning with just kind of the the etymology of the word itself. Sure. Well, um, the word Lent comes from the Latin word lentari, which means to stand down or back off, mm. to slow down, uh, to stop. Right. So the this is a period of time in the history of the church, right? I mean, in, in the life of the church, in which going back to the very, very early days, right, mm-hmm. um, there was preparation for some great feast, right? So there was yep. always a penitential season before some great feast. The The earliest uh, great feast of the church, of course, was was uh, the Easter, was the resurrection, right? right it was the right. feast of the resurrection. And so for a period of 40 days prior to this, consistent with uh, ancient Jewish practice, right, mm-hmm. in preparation for things like this, there was a penitential period, and it was 40 days, right? Uh, so Lent is actually the oldest season right. on the liturgical calendar. Mm-hmm. Now, this, so what we're doing is what? Prayer, fasting, almsgiving, but for what end, right? Right, right. So this is where I think we often confuse things today. Mm-hmm. We kind of think that um, that Lent is a time for kind of getting serious and doing more right it's yeah. kind of when we we kind of uh, put our nose to the grindstone and really make this happen in reality though what we're trying to do is to slow everything down yeah. and to push to the margins of our world of cares all those things that don't really matter yeah the things that I mean, maybe, maybe in, in some way, to some extent, they're good and important, right? I mean, even things, we're not talking about, we're not talking about giving up mortal sin for Lent <laughs> up again when we're done, but we're talking about even the things that, that are good, the responsibilities yeah. that we undertake, right? Th- that the things that aren't really at the center of our relationship with God and tend to become demands on our consciousness and our hearts and our allegiances um, that become ends in themselves, right? They start to push God out and become their own thing. Yeah. And That's I think, I, to correct. yeah. And I think uh, just that, that beginning with that attitude of saying, yes, these things are, are important and they they, they take some pride of place in my life, but God is first. And so I'm going to sacrifice these good things. I mean, if you're talking about like, yeah, like you said, refraining from mortal sin. Yeah. There's never that. That's all. It's always in season. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) There's always a season for that. Uh, But, but yeah, when you, when you're, and and again, it's that, it's that particular 
period of focus uh, where where we we don't just say, well, what's what are the good things that I need to focus on? But what is the highest thing or who is the highest person that, mm-hmm. that needs to be the center of everything that I do, everything that I am? That's going to be my focus. That's going to and, and everything else, no matter how good it is, will take kind of a, a second a, a second place to it. Uh, uh, and, and it's, I think it's so like the, the, the period of Lent is just, it's so countercultural, you know? Oh yeah, it totally is because I mean, just let's pretend we're going to do Lent really seriously for a second, right? Yeah. I say pretend because <laughs> in our society, it's very hard Yeah. To actually go all in on Lent, but you know, we'd be like, um, you're, you're, Let's say you work for some major corporation, right? And and the idea is, um, you know, we got these we got these projects going on here, and we need everybody to be on like seventy hours a week. And you're like, well, <laughs> yeah, um, can't do that yeah. right now. Yeah. Um, Try me in April. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, what we can do. <laughs> right. Of course, then you'll be like, it's Easter, right? I got celebrating to do, (laughs) but during Lent, right? I mean, I've got to put my focus elsewhere, right? So this, uh, I know we got these big clients out there and, and I I know it's important, but, um, I'm going to slow down right now. Okay. And it's, it's hard, uh, for people to actually, to do this all the way. Right. Yeah. Well, so what do we do? Um, we kind of do it halfway and, and this, I mean, look, I'm just trying to be, um, there's a point where you have to be a pragmatist about certain things. Yeah. 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 <laughs> um, but, but I, I, I'm not saying that by way of cop out, right? When right. I, because in the church, there are people whose lives are dedicated to doing this stuff, um, all out. Right. right? We call them monks. Okay. <laughs> and I mean, there's a reason the church has these guys around one of them. One of them is to actually do, to actually do it hardcore. Yeah. And, um, right. You know, so we kind of want the monks to show us how it's really done and to sort of set, to sort of set the ideal. Um, and, and then for the rest of us to come to do as much of that as we can, right. To be mm-hmm. as, to be as close as we can be given our state in life mm-hmm. and the obligations that we can't put down um, because we're married and have children and hold down jobs and people depend upon us. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And but, I think, or go ahead. But there are other things that, you know, there are other th- ways that we can express uh, a Lenten commitment, right. Mm-hmm. Besides, besides, um, you know, going in, <laughs> going into a cave and just <laughs> being alone with God for 40 days with a jug of water right. and a loaf of bread. Right. And I'll see you. In, I'll, you know, yeah, I'll see you in April. Yeah. Yeah. That, that kind of thing. And, and I think, you know, for the, you know, I think for the modern person who, you know, they can't, you know, I, I obviously can't neglect my children or my wife or, uh, you know, even my duties at work. Um, uh-huh. those things can't fall to the side, you know, um, but, but I think what, or at least for me, a lot of times the the way that Lent takes on is, you know, I, I, I try to, you know, be mindful of, and this is not that like really bad modern mindfulness. I'm not talking about that vapid mindfulness that people talk about. I'm talking about, you know, filling my mind with, uh, 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 with God trying to right. keep that disposition in a, in a hardcore way where should I, I find myself idle to uh, go into, you know, think about God, mental prayer, meditation uh, right. to try to keep, keep that and, and not say, well, you know, I'll wait till Sunday or I'll wait till good Friday or Friday yeah. or even like that. But to, to do that every day. I mean, that's, I think that's, you know, a, a sacrifice for, you know, a lot of people, uh, to have that kind of um, authentic mindfulness. Right. So th- this is actually the thing about the sacrifices that we make during Lent, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, the, the things that we purge from our lives during right. Lent, there are things that don't require us to not go to work. Yeah. Like, um, like for me, right. Uh, 
I, I tried kind of going without coffee one year and it, it didn't work out as well as I had hoped <laughs> just in terms of, I mean, coffee is a help to me in, in terms of daily function. I'll, I'll, <laughs> yeah. I'll readily admit this, but um, it's up there with medication and water. Yeah, right. Like, right? <laughs> but, what, but what I can forego, right. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I could go without coffee, but I mean, I just function better if I have some coffee. So, but what, what I can forego that doesn't affect my actual functioning in life yeah. is is the the creamer and and the sweetener, right? Yeah. I don't need to put that in my coffee. I I put it in my coffee because I I like coffee that way. But you know, I could I could leave it out and just drink my coffee black or or I could drink green tea or something, right? Um you can you know, you can forego entertainments. You can yeah, the luxury, um, the, the the luxuries of life. Now, granted, some may say coffee's a luxury, fine, but you know, to to well, everybody has to make their own prudential judgments, right? Yeah, as yeah, yeah. And it's and it's also one of those things that I I think Lent that that I, I enjoy about Lent is that it 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 disrupts the rhythm of my life in a good way mm -hmm. so that I'm reflective of what I'm actually doing. Like so many of us, it's easy to get caught up in, in a rhythm and there may be some, some bad habits or some vices that may come into there or just some practices of neglect, you know, some omission of, yeah. of, of daily prayer of uh, a, a daily examination of conscience, things like that, that can kind of right. seep into your daily routine. Lens, lens, uh, I think an amazing time to just uh, uh, to completely disrupt uh, your your routine and even your daily routine uh, um, to be reflective of it. Of okay, well, you know, you, you know, you know, the the, the, the again the, the the practices of Lent are not exclusive to Lent. You know, um, the mindfulness, right. the uh, really uh, the sacrifice, yeah. Yeah, they're all, they're part of an ordinary Christian mode of, of being, right? But but because life catches up to us, yeah, right, we have to kind of renew our commitment to this. Mm -hmm. um, so there's a piece of advice that people give fairly commonly these days, yeah. right? It's very American and it drives <laughs> me insane. Um, and and that is don't because it. They look at like giving up. They look at giving things up for Lent as being, as being sort of the the thing people do because they don't know what else to do, right? Yeah. And so they say, well, just do something extra, right? Yeah. <laughs> don't. Yeah. Don't do anything more, right? I mean, like do less, and that that I think is what really if we want to just do lent if we want to do the thing that lent is calling us to do do less right i mean going more. yeah going back to the word itself to stand down uh, right exactly. uh, that's not that's not the equivalent of doing more it's doing less yeah. um which which i think is even you know probably harder for more americans to do less than it is to take up some new project or saying okay well i'm going to you know uh, uh, find an explicit way to do this, you know, work of mercy or w whatever it may be. I think it's even harder to, to, to take more of a contemplative uh, approach to yeah. Lent. Um, so there's, a, there's yeah. an interesting thing. And you and I have talked about this before um, privately, right? But, but I mean, privately, not because it's a secret, but just you and I were talking <laughs> and nobody else was there. But, but um, you know, it's a thing with me, right? That, I, I find the whole mendicant takeover mm -hmm. of Western Christianity to be um, a, a thing, right? I mean, it's a, it's an interesting problem, and yeah. I'm not against it. Don't get me wrong, but before there were mendicants, there were there were monks, mm -hmm. and they're not the same thing exactly, right? Right. So the mendicant charism is very active. It's about doing stuff. Yeah. All right. Um, now, granted, okay, authentic Dominicans and Franciscans historically did an awful lot of fasting and acts of asceticism and self-denial. Sure. But the emphasis on the doing of stuff has kind of taken over our sense of what, uh, of what living the gospel is supposed to mean. Mm -hmm. 
And it's true there are things in the New Testament, right? Like James, be doers of the word and not, um, you know, like th this is, it, it's, it, you can't just say things, you have to put it into action. You have to actually put your money where your mouth is, live by it. I, I get that. And yeah, that's yeah. in the scripture. Yeah. But that's one point of emphasis in a particular context related related to um, the concrete question of how in our daily lives, in our interactions with others, we treat other people. That's actually what James is talking about. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It's not outlining a program for seeking out people to do good things too, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and not that that's bad, right? I'm not saying it's bad, but it used to be better understood that the life of contemplation was a was a real part of the Christian life, that it was very important and that we should try to cultivate it. And you didn't always have to be doing something. There were times when doing nothing was actually the best thing. Yeah, there's a and there's a, a book that's actually coming back into popularity from what I can tell coming back into popularity because I see it pop up on different discussion forums and Facebook and things like that. And it's the, the, the book, the soul of the apostolate by, uh, wow. um, Dom, Sh uh, Chittard. And it's, it's a, it's a beautiful book, but in there, uh, in there, I love it because he, and the whole kind of, uh, position of the book and is discussing the, the interior life and the active life. Um, and he states very clearly the interior <clears throat> life is more important um, mm -hmm. and, and he goes on to quote saints, you know, St. Thomas says it's a higher way of life. St. Bonaventure say it's a safer, it's a safer life. Um, and he, he has a great story in there about, um, uh, uh, going to what you were talking about the, with the, the, the active life and even with the, you know, uh, the monks and, and even the mendicant orders. Um, I think it was, I think the story is with, I don't know if it was Pius X or uh, I forget which pope it was, but there was a, a a French order who was being that was being asked to go from being a, kind of a cloistered group, a, a, a contemplative uh, order, uh, to becoming an active order. And mm -hmm. uh, the 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 mother prioress, uh, she didn't know exactly uh, what to do, and so she was seeking counsel, and so so she goes and and writes the pope. And the Pope, the Pope tells her beautifully, says, uh, um, you know, your, your, your interior life and your interior life uh, uh, as an order is more important than whatever good works you will, you will do. Um, that if, if being an active order takes away anything from your interior life, stop what you're doing. God will raise up other workers if, if he needs them. But if it's destroying your interior life, uh, stop, stop what you're doing. And, and you know, uh, the the author even goes on to, to talk about how uh, the active life without the interior life is actually dangerous to your soul. Yeah, um, right, right. You know, which which right. I which I think is which I think, again, going back to 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 Lent is, you know, it is that kind of withdrawing, uh, standing down uh, so that you know, the rest of the year, you can do all of those things. Uh, um, it's kind of that interior recollection that, that is, I think what's most important, uh, uh, during that time. Again, mm -hmm. like you said, not that the active things are, are unimportant or somehow we need to, we just need to stop doing them altogether. Um, but there is, there is a hierarchy to them here. Yeah. It's not a time to take on new projects. Yeah. And, uh, right. And, and the thing is, um, yes, I would suggest, right, that we perform some of the classic practices of Lent, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, I would say that it's good to take up spiritual reading. It's good to renew your commitment to the rosary or to go to mass more often or Eucharist adoration more often. These are good things to mm -hmm. do um, during Lent, especially, right? I mean, yeah. maybe during the rest of the year, you can't go to mass. You just can't do you can't go to mass several times a week. Um, again, you're, you're married, you know, you're a family man, you got wife and kids, you got a job, you got all kinds of things to do. And it's hard to squeeze that into your schedule. But, but by sacrificing other things during Lent, by pushing other things to the side, 
you can carve out some time. You can't do it all year, but you can yeah. carve it out for this time, right? Um, that is a good thing to do. When, but look what I'm saying. I'm not saying you're taking up some extra task. What I'm saying is you're putting certain things down so that you can so that you can make room for this other thing, which isn't really a task. Yeah. Right. It's it's resting in God. And this is the thing that I, I think we need to really uh, emphasize, right? Is that all these things I'm suggesting, the spiritual reading, uh, right? Spiritual reading, praying the rosary, uh, praying other things, right? Mm -hmm. uh, going to mass, Eucharistic adoration. These are about, this is all about being, right? Being in the presence of God, being with God, being for God. It's not about doing. Yeah, yeah, and and it's and 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 there you might say, well, you know, I'm when I help the poor or something like that, I'm I'm being with God. I'm seeing God. But but there's a. I think there's a there's a. There's an intimacy when there's not that layer of uh, intermediary, with say helping another person. Um, there's there's an intimacy to prayer. Where nobody nobody's seeing what you're doing. Nobody's gonna say thank you for saying that rosary, thank you for that. You're mm -hmm. you're simply offering and uh, uh, or or trying to offer at least in a, in, a, in a way um um a gift. You know, a gift that yeah. you know absolutely nobody will see. Um, which again, that that I think that's difficult also for. Uh, uh, Americans as well. I mean, to to be able to to give in a way that is completely hidden to yeah. to the rest of the world. Um, that that's difficult. And again, it's you you. Uh, the other thing I think that's frustrating is you won't necessarily see the effect. You won't say, "Oh, so that oh yeah, that was the fruit of that." You won't, you won't see that. You know, maybe ten years down the road, you can say. Those the past ten years of Lent have helped me, and I can say in this specific way. But it's not this kind of immediate, uh, um, you know, handing a hungry person a sandwich and that person's hunger is immediately uh, satisfied. Uh, there's no, uh, there's not always going to be that kind of satisfaction within uh, the the interior life, the prayer life, in that way. Right. Um, and that, and again, that's something that we, you know, that is good for Lent is to not be attached to those instant gratifications in that way to, to put things in, in God's time and in God's hands. Uh, um, yeah. A, well, let's talk about this thing about, um, you know, giving food to the hungry guy. Yeah. So, so this is interesting, right? Because of course, one of the other aspects of Lent is almsgiving. Yeah. Right. And we are obligated to give alms during mm -hmm. Lent. It's part of Lenten practice to the extent. Now, I mean, you know, just let's be clear about this. Right. Um, we're talking about something suited to whatever your means happen sure. to be. Right. So people who have a lot of money should give a lot more than people who don't have much. But if we combine, say, our obligation to give alms during Lent with our obligation <laughs> to undertake fasting and acts of self-denial. Um, and you mash that up <laughs> with the idea that we should also just do less, yeah. right? This creates an interesting sort of problem because you think, <laughs> well, shouldn't I, maybe it'd be great if I could go to the soup kitchen and help out at the soup kitchen during Lent. Uh, but then you're kind of doing more, right? And yeah. I'm suggesting you don't, but what if you did this and this would especially be um this is especially good advice for i think useful advice for people in an urban environment mm -hmm. right you probably pass some hungry people on your way to the office right let's say that during your lunch break or something instead of feeding yourself you go and buy that lunch that you were going to get uh, across the street from your office for the hungry guy. Yeah. Right. It doesn't take any more time out of your day. You get to fast and give alms at the same time. Right. 
Yeah, that's pretty intense. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and 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 you know, I think I think with with uh, again putting yourself in that that like kind of Lenten spirit is, you know, part of what you're trying to do is see the world as God sees it, um, and and it may be, you know, looking at that 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 person in that new way. Now, and, and I think the distinction you make is important. You're not taking on a project of I'm going to start feeding the homeless every day during this time, but in my in my prayer, in my uh, uh, recollection and mindfulness of God, right now, right here, I see an opportunity where I can uh, um, give alms and sacrifice, go without some food, do something like that. Right here and right now, this one instance. That's not, and like you said. You know, I think that's a that's a distinction that needs to be made. Doing something in the moment is not taking on this new project, or I would even say doing more. But I think uh-huh. you're 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 responding to uh, an interior call at that moment, hopefully because of your uh, um, your recollection to the mind of God and the will of God, and not not trying not hesitating or, or justifying or trying to explain why you shouldn't do all these things but just simply saying okay i'm gonna go do this there's an opportunity i'm gonna do it you know it's it, it, there, there there's a small distinction there but i think it's an important one about yeah you're not taking on one anything new things i think about um observing the command to give alms yeah. whether during Lent or other parts of the year right but say especially during Lent, because mm-hmm. it's more explicitly commanded is is that there's something freeing about it yeah right i mean like throughout the rest of the year maybe you have to ask yourself how you're how you're spending your money and all this right um but but in this example that i've given right uh you you have this interesting case where you're like well i i i i I don't have to justify this I don't have to figure out an argument for how I can spare this at this yeah. time. Um, I'm free, right? I'm free to, to give in this way, uh, in a way that maybe at some level, I, I don't feel free all year. Yeah. I'm not sure I, I, I'm, I, if you get what I'm talking about. Yeah. Yeah, I, I do. But it involves so much of, uh, uh, the interior life that I think, yeah, there's, there's, uh, there's a lot there, and again, I, I think it's because of that 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 mindfulness of God. You you're 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 simply there's a simplicity to it. I guess that's a maybe a good way to put. It. Yeah, yeah, sure. yeah, right. yeah. Well, like you said, there's a with I think you know kind of that uh, simplicity of detachment of, you know what during Lent, if anybody asks, I'm going to give. Like like you said, th- there's some freedom to that. Now now, granted, I don't want you know nobody should. Please don't start sending a bunch of emails to Catholic yeah. Studies Academy well, asking for like, things. But this is money you would normally. So I'm talking about say in this case, you're this is money a guy would normally spend on lunch. Now I'm not that guy. I hardly ever eat out. But there yeah. are lots of people who like buy their lunch every single day. Yeah. Right. If you're that guy, um, why not try this? Yeah. Right. That would be a great thing to do during Lent. Yeah. Yeah. Now, one of the things that a lot of people do during Lent, obviously, is uh, they they try to do some more reading. Um, uh-huh. So, so I have a couple books that I think uh, are 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 good reading uh, for for the Lenten season, um, and also um, uh, they're very simple. Uh, so, um, I'll give my uh, my suggestions, Doctor Bruce Kelly, and then uh, we'll get yours as well. Um, I think Lenten reading is is almost essential. Like of all the things you're going to do during Lent, I think picking up picking up something to read uh, is is essential. You we have to do it. Um, it it's there's a, a, a slowness to reading that I I think uh, slows down the busyness of your life. Uh, there's a, a focus on on hopefully. Uh, a focus on whatever it is that you're reading uh, and its immediate application to your life. Um, So, I mean, I think, you know, uh, so my two suggestions, I'll throw them out there. 
and get your thoughts. Uh, so the first one is uh, The Seven Last Words by Fulton Sheen. Um, mm-hmm. And there's very various versions of this. Um, uh, I would not recommend, I have not read it, but I, just because of the author, you know, be careful. There are some that are out there, like there's one by James Martin. Uh, so I would not recommend that one. Having said that, I haven't read it either, but his stuff is problematic. Um, so go to the top, Fulton Sheen, um, seven last words. And this is a beautiful reflection and it's not something that is necessarily unique to him. Um, but it's, it's a uh, reflection on those, those final words that Jesus, uh, says during his passion, uh, his death. Uh, on the cross. And the beautiful thing about this is that this really gets at the heart of Lent. Uh, uh, At the heart of Lent is uh, setting aside that time for reflection and consideration of the suffering of Jesus, Uh, the suffering that he did for us, his uh, sacrifice, his life, his death, uh, um, his burial, and looking looking in hope uh, to the resurrection. Uh, and so that's that's the first book I'm going to throw out there. Uh, and again, it's a very short kind of pithy read. Uh, so uh, what, what's good about it is you can, you know, sit with the chapters longer because they're not very long. Uh, the book itself is not very long. You can sit with it, I think, a little bit longer during that time. And the other book I'm going to throw out there is uh, The Art of Dying Well by Robert Bellarmine. And I've, I've mentioned this book before um, and, and, you know, not to spoil it, but his, but his whole point is, you know, in order to die well, you have to live well. Um, mm-hmm. But, but again, because, you know, because it's Lent, there's a particular focus on kind of the eschaton, uh, not just, you know, in the life of Jesus and the, the fulfillment of our hope, um, but on our own death. Uh, there's a particular, you know, which, you know, some some may say is morbid, but I think it's simply healthy. Uh, as Catholics, you have to think about your death at some point. Um, uh, yeah. yeah, right. So it's funny you should say that because um, actually one of the books that that you know that I was thinking of, um, if I were going to recommend a book to somebody for Lent. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess my answer to the question might be different depending on who asked me, but but uh, I think of a book that I spent I've spent a lot of time with, mm-hmm. um, particularly when I was an undergraduate, because um, I went to a Benedictine uh, college, right? Was the Rule of Saint Benedict? Yeah. And I I think of this particular thing. Um, I mean, it's not the most riveting read in the world. <laughs> right it's a manual yeah it's not yeah it's a manual for (laughs) for spiritual living right um but it's really a very profound reflection on the human condition Mm -hmm. and what kinds of disciplines tend to lend themselves to holiness and how we ought prudently to um kind of consider our own fallibility and maybe address the uh, fallibility of others from within the context of a position of authority and yeah. the awareness of our own limitations, right? We find all of this stuff in the rule of St. Benedict. And interestingly, right, one of the things that Benedict mentions in the rule is the paradox of the monastic life mm. relative to the liturgical season of Lent, right? So he notes uh, that since the monk, this is the important thing that makes this book really, really relevant for Lent, right? He says, because the monk lives in a perpetual Lent, <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, what should, or how should a monk observe Lent? Okay. That's and a great question. Yeah. That he should give up some small other thing okay so in other words he's given up so much yeah he goes without sleep okay he hardly eats right he doesn't talk during lunch yeah you know he hardly talks at all i mean in in the rule of saint benedict right i mean they keep silence um pray every three hours uh, he's only got he's got a habit he's wearing and 
a habit he'll wear when he's washing the one that's on him right now, right? He's got like a, a, a belt around his waist. He's got a knife, uh, but he doesn't, he hardly has anything, right? He's yeah. given up almost everything. He's given up private ownership. He's given up everything. What else is there to give up? I don't know, maybe <laughs> the portion of bread that he has with his lunch could be just a tiny bit smaller or something. I don't yeah. know, right? But but the point is the point is that um, the monastic life is a kind of ideal of Lenten uh, asceticism, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, as we talked about earlier, you can't do this in the <laughs> contemporary world as a lay person with those kinds of obligations. But but at least certain indicators of the kinds of things you should have in mind, the sorts of goals, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, are, are outlined in the rule of St. Benedict. So it's a, it's in that way, I think, I think a great thing to read during Lent. Yeah. Uh, I've got, I've got other recommendations too, but. Yeah. And I think uh, b- before we get into those, I, you know, I think there's a, um, and this kind of goes along with the thought of, you know, doing something more during Lent that, you know, you um, may get that advice at some point, but I think there's a real simplicity that should be present during Lent. You know, like you said, like, you know, uh, I'm not gonna, you know, I maybe for the, 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 the modern person, you know, I'm going to, when I get home, I'm going to put my phone, you know, on a tray or something. I'm going to put my phone away and I'm not going to look at it till I go to work in the next morning or something like that. Um, that there's a real simplicity to to all of it, to to kind of all of life, and the focus being on the highest good, the most important thing, God Himself, uh, um, and, and and the beautiful thing, kind of the the thing that the world you know doesn't understand is you know in that simplicity when 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 you begin with that simplicity in the interior life, it's from there that you can dive into all of these all of the busyness, all of the chaos, the, the, the tornadic winds of, of modern man of, of all of this and survive. That's the only, you know, that's really the only yeah. way you're going to be able to survive uh, is if you have uh, uh, this period where you withdraw you, you, this period, you know, and this is kind of like what, you know, the whole, you know, book and movement of the, the Benedict option and things was, was, was about uh, this withdrawal, not as some kind of escapism, but withdrawing so that we can enter into it, uh, enter into the world um, uh, with hope, with joy, with the gospel uh, um, in that way. Um, yeah. So, so what else, what are, what are some other books that you recommend? Well, yeah. So um, I think one of the things to keep in mind during Lent, right, is that the reading that you choose to pick up, should be of spiritual benefit mm-hmm. and should not require too much work, mm. right? Um, be, so in other words, I'm not asking you to, like you should, here's one I will recommend you not read during Lent, <laughs> okay? You should not read The Acting Person, okay? Uh, just in case you've been looking for an opportunity to pick that up <laughs> and crack it open. Yeah. Let me tell you, don't do that now. Okay, <laughs> it's too much work. Um, all right, so that that's not it. Uh, Saint Bonaventure's Itinerarium Mantisin Deum, I think, is a great, a great thing to read during Lent. What's it's, the What's the English translation uh, of that? We translated a number of different ways, but one common way to translate it is the mind's road to God, mm. or the the mind's journey into God, right? Okay. Um, you'll find, you know, a, a, an Amazon search for uh, for this will turn it up immediately, right? Yeah. Um, it's it's a very important text, mm-hmm. uh, spiritual reading, and um, you know it's part of his mystical opuscula, okay, his mystical works, mm-hmm. and. Bonaventure, you know, he was, Bonaventure was a mystic as well as a scholar, right? Yeah. Now, the mind's road to God is, I I guess, probably by most people's standards, it's not light reading exactly, but it's not, 
it's not intellectually really demanding it's not systematic theology yeah it's yeah yeah right it's meditation and what he's what he's talking about is is kind of the road from an ordinary like here you are starting okay here you are starting to think about god and actually getting there yeah right so for saint bonaventure um you know there's a particular method that he that he uses and he develops it in other places as well he has a work called um de triplicivie right the triple way mm -hmm. and uh he outlines this this technique there right which is that we go through a um purgative stage an illuminative stage and a unitive stage mm -hmm. right at length of course is about this it's about this journey, right? It's about this stage of kind of purging mm -hmm. all the things that get in the way that don't matter, right? Uh, that distract and, and making room, right? Making room then to open the mind and heart to God. Actually, interesting thing, right? Uh, itinerarium mentis in Deum. This idea of mentis, it, it's not it's not just the intellect mm, right yeah it's it's more akin to the greek word uh noose right that that whole sort of um that higher spiritual um aspect of of, of human life right so it's it, it includes the power of the intellect but not solely the power of the intellect yeah it can't it be reduced to it yeah yeah, it involves the spiritual sense, right? Um, so what we're trying to do is to open this this dimension of our souls mm. to um, to God's illumination, right? In other words, to, we're trying to listen to God, right? That's the point to to listen to God and the quiet that we can cultivate during Lent by cutting out all the distractions right um makes room for that still small voice of god to break through mm -hmm. um you know like elijah when he hears the whisper of god in the breeze right yeah. uh, rather than you know in the tornado right yeah or the earthquake or something so um and then so when we listen to the voice of god then what then we can we can respond to god in love and be united to him and that's that's kind of the goal right i mean that that's what we should be striving for so i think i think this particular work from bonaventure is, is something really good and fruitful to read during Lent. it's not super long yeah you can read it in little chunks yeah, and I think that the Lent, uh, especially with uh, the purgative way, because um, which is kind of just the, the those classic distinctions that you said, the purgative, illuminative, and unitive ways. Mm -hmm. um, but especially that purgative way, that's that's a lot of what Lent's for, uh, yeah. um, you know. And and John's Gospel, you know, he talks about that in chapter fifteen when he's talking about, you know, I am the vine, uh, um, uh, my Father keeps his vineyard and he says you know um every branch that does not bear fruit he will cut off and he prunes he prunes the the the, the branches that do bear fruit he prunes yeah. them so that they will make more fruit um you know so and i think you know for 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 the 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 catholic or the 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 one who thinks you know well i'm doing a good job i'm doing that um that's that's your assessment you know Lent's mm -hmm. a time to, you know, let God, you know, to, to be open to God, to be, uh, sacrificial, uh, and, and, um, in a, in a simple way, uh, asking God to prune those, those parts of your life that, that you need pruned, not, not according to what I think I, where I know now, granted, there's going to be obvious places if you have mortal sin or even, uh, um, consistent venial sins that you're constantly dealing with, um, but but those those things that 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 just get in the way they may not be sinful uh and asking god to to prune that so that you can be more fruitful 
um, um, yeah, to be, to be part of that, to, to be ever connected to, uh, to the branch, uh, to the vine, uh, there. So, all right, good deal. So we have, uh, St. Bonaventure's, uh, the mind's road to God. Uh, very good. Um, any, any other, any other suggestions? So we have the rule of Benedict, the mind's road to God, seven last words. And what was the, uh, definitely not the acting person which yeah which isn't that was it was that uh john paul was that his dissertation no that that was um or which one was was the minds or the 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 acting person carol Wojtyla, right john paul ii but before he was pope uh wrote the acting person and um and it was his own philosophical meditation on the problem okay of the person he's trying I mean, you know, he's trying to kind of respond to Kant and, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, don't read it. I mean, it, it's an important work, I think, but yeah, most people probably shouldn't even try. <laughs> so, it's really hard to read, yeah, I have yeah. to say. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I, I spent a lot of time with that text. And <laughs> I, I can't say that I really enjoyed it. I, it's, yeah, I, it's one of those ones I, you I just wrestle with. Second. <laughs> don't get me wrong but um I, I did not enjoy that okay yeah <laughs> now if you if you want to talk about something to that is enjoyable actually i think benedict the 16th mm-hmm. um though he you know i mean he's a scholar um of a breed that is increasingly rare yeah right nonetheless um much of his work is really accessible yeah it is right because because actually a lot of it is um not not very much of what he published right is is something that um i mean he wrote academic articles right Mm -hmm. he didn't write a lot of books that were like from beginning i'm going to write a book yeah on this topic yeah on this particular topic He, he didn't do much of that so many of the things that you might encounter as books are collections of a variety of things that he published, mm-hmm. uh, or, or even just the publication of homilies yeah. that he gave. Now, as homilies, of course, are they're they're given to a a, a broad audience, right? Of like um, one of the famous phrases from G.K. Chesterton is uh, "apple women," right? I mean, like. They're just regular people, okay, that he's talking to. And so they're they're pretty accessible, but very profound, right? I mean, I mm-hmm. think that I think Ratzinger um was, you know, he, he as a as a as a writer, he's very patristic in that yeah. he manages to he manages to communicate these really deep and profound uh insights, right? But to a to a common audience yeah right um i mean when you think about much not all but much of the deposit of the fathers is homilies right and yep. much of it is actually homilies so i think of you know things like um god is near us mm-hmm. right? the eucharist the heart of life uh that that book it's published by uh, ignatius press mm-hmm. Uh, very accessible stuff or behold the pierced one also published by ignatius these are these are pretty accessible reads and really appropriate i think for lent all right very good now i think we we do need to address the 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 biggest question of lent this year um yeah and, and that is um does the impossible burger count as meat so Burger King and these other places, they came out with this plant-based meat substitute for a hamburger patty. So can, can a Catholic eat one of these impossible burgers on Friday during Lent? That's a very good question. (laughs) I don't know because I've never had one. Um, So I can't, it's hard to render. Well, 
what would, what would you say to that doctor? I don't mean to put you on the spot, but yeah. So my, my technical answer to that yeah. question is um, perhaps, okay. Like assuming there really is no meat in the burger. That's the claim. Um, That's the claim. I think the letter of the law is going to say you can eat it. <laughs> okay. Right. Uh, so you're calling us Pharisees. Law, you're, you're calling us Pharisees if we uh, if we eat it. All right. <laughs> the spirit of the law is maybe maybe not. Yeah. Um, and now, I, I would add to that, the spirit of a Texan oh. would just say you should never eat one of those things. Just well, it's, in principle, it's yeah. wrong. Yeah, in principle, right. <laughs> yeah. Well, because God gave us meat to be meat, He didn't. Yeah. Like He purposefully did not make meat grow on trees yeah right yeah as and, and much I, as you might at times uh wish that he did yeah and i think there's i mean there's just there there's there's something deceptive about the whole concept of it that yeah. i just think is, is it's strictly from the devil period <laughs> yeah so i mean that is actually in all seriousness um uh, i do find that particular kind of critique uh kind of compelling i mean yeah. i well, in this respect, I mean, I'm not, I don't know if I want to go so far as to say that it's an actual moral or theological, <laughs> but, but it just does seem to me, um, it kind of grates, it, it rubs me the wrong way. This idea that, that we try to make things that, um, taste like stuff we think we ought not to have, but secretly love. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> right. I mean, it's. Yeah, I think it was like the whole idea behind, I mean, it's like vaping, like, at, at first, it was, you know, oh, enjoy smoking without smoking a cigarette. It's like, you, you're trying to, I mean, of course, now we know it's, you know, it's like fairly unhealthy. Yeah, yeah. But but it, it, it's, there's just something deceptive about it. that, I, And yeah, I mean, I don't know. Again, I've never eaten one, probably never will. Same, you know, like, I'll never drive a hybrid. Like, there, there's just certain fundamental uh, uh, things that I that I just, in principle, will not do. Can other people do them? Sure, maybe, but yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm not gonna tell you you're wrong. You eat a, an impossible burger, but yeah, that, that's my two cents. Catch me doing it <laughs> All right, Dr. Bruce and Kelly. Well, thank you for the discussion on Lent. I hope this uh, helps our listeners uh, to maybe enter into to Lent uh, with uh, with a good disposition and um, allow God to prune us, allow God to to work within us uh, the things that He needs. Uh, so that we can bear fruit, uh, so we can be closer to him and in greater union with uh, him and his church. And so I want to thank all of our listeners for joining us today. In the meantime, check out all of our content over at catholicstudiesacademy.com. Dr. Buzzichelli has a, a blog on this idea of adding, of doing something more. Uh, if you want to hop over there and take a look at that, I'll also uh, put it in the show notes. Uh, and so until next time, God bless.